You know, the single greatest need in your life, it's not a new job, it's not a, not a woman, come on, it's not a man, come on, it's not a better education for your kids or a better job. The single greatest need in your life is for more of the presence of Jesus. And this is the common factor with all of us, whether, whether you're lost and you don't, or you're totally disconnected from God, or whether you are more hot after God than you've ever been in your life. You have a greater need in your life for more of his presence. You know, in the world, in the world, we don't, we, we, the way we get hungry is we don't eat, Right? You don't eat, like I'm getting kind of hungry right now. I haven't eaten, you know, in a couple hours. So, right? That's how we get hungry in the world. But in the kingdom, we get hungry by eating. It's interesting. We were, you know, we were on this cruise a couple weeks ago. And I overheard a guy say, he said, you know, on the cruise, uh, hungry, hunger changes. He's like, you're hungry when you're not full. Right, right. So, because there's just food all the time, so you just you want to eat, you know. So it's like when you're not full, you want to go eat some more. But, but uh, you know, in the world, we just don't eat, right? In life, we just don't eat and we get hungry. But in the kingdom and spiritual things, when we eat, when we taste and see, we want more. It's just kind of the way it is. It kind of whets our appetite for more. And so, uh, you know, don't think, well, I'm not hungry for God. I've got all I've got. Well, then, then you don't have very much. Right? Come on. How many of you know that he's vast and endless and infinite? So this morning I want to talk about ambition. We're talking about this series, The Hunt. I want to talk about ambition. And the word ambition is a strong desire to do or to achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. How many of you are ambitious people? You're pretty ambitious. Naturally, you're ambitious, right? How many of y'all are a little bit not so ambitious? It, you, it takes a little motivation. It's okay. We're all a little bit different. And uh, But the reality is, is we're all ambitious for something, right? Right? Come on. Are you with me? Like when we were on that cruise, I was ambitious for food, right? So like, I was like, man, I want to be the first in line. I want to be the one there, right? We are ambitious for something. All of us are. And ambition can be a great thing, right? In fact, we need to be. I believe that God is calling us to be a passionate people, that he's calling us to be ambitious, but to be ambitious concerning the right things, right? There's a lot of ambition in the world, today, right? People have agendas, right? Come on. How many know everybody has an agenda? We all have an agenda. Our agenda looks, it's funny when people say that, they say, well, they have an agenda. I'm like, well, you don't have an agenda? If you don't have an agenda, you need to find an agenda. I'll help you with that this morning. So Jesus is is living life. We know the, the stories of Jesus. We know all these stories. Well, Jesus is preaching the gospel like he was, and he was just carrying out his ministry. And in Mark chapter 10, he runs across this young man who's very ambitious. We, we, call, we call him the rich, young ruler. You guys have heard the story, right? So we're going to read this. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem... A man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. I think when Jesus said that, he probably winked at him. Right? Right? He was like, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Right? But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not test, testify falsely, 
You must not cheat on anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher. I believe he interrupted Jesus. Teacher. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I guess qualify me. I'm, I'm the guy. I'm next in line for eternal life. Here I am. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I love the way the NIV says it says this, that Jesus looked at him and loved him. So Jesus is about to rebuke this young man, but not rebuking him because out of anger or frustration, but out of love. And he looks to this young man with ambition who came running to Jesus and throws his knees down like, teacher, good man, tell me what do I got to do to have eternal life? Tell me what I got to do to get to heaven. Jesus gives him the list. He's like, I've done this. And then Jesus is like, hold up. I love you. I intend good things for you. And I'm going to say this. It's going to hurt. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions. And give the money to the poor. And then you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Can you imagine this young man, ambitious, entrepreneur, accomplished all these things in his life? All these accolades, all these probably titles, all these diplomas on his wall, right? All these initials before his name, all this stuff that he had, possessions. At this, the man's face fell and he went away very sad for he had many possessions, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? Or for, for How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. And Jesus said again, Dear children, it's hard. It is very hard. It is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Everything is possible with God. So here's the story. You know, we love the, we love the scripture, right? We love to kind of slam on people that have more than we do. And we're like, it's hard for rich people to come into the kingdom, right? It's impossible. And Jesus said, well, with God, all things are possible. You can still get in. See, the problem wasn't that this man had possessions. The problem was with, that the possessions had him. Come on. Now, if I was, if I was Bishop Jake said so that right now, you guys would be like up and in about 10 minutes, I would continue speaking. But the problem was, is that the possessions had him. His potential or, or his, his gifts were killing his potential. He wasn't going anywhere because he went somewhere. He was stuck. Now, this man was ambitious. He had stuff. He had possessions. They were his prize. There's another thing that he had. He had good works. Jesus didn't tell him when he said, I've honored, I've, I've done the law, I've kept the law. Jesus didn't say, no, you didn't. Right. He didn't. Jesus said, okay, well, let's talk about something else then. Because I want you to know where your heart is. Because even though you're doing all the right things, your heart's still in the wrong place. 
The problem with this man is that his race was his personal success. That was his race, was, was success, personal success. How many know that he was winning this race? He was doing pretty good for himself, right? I mean, he was the status quo. Everybody wanted to be like the rich young ruler, but he wanted to be like Jesus. The problem was he couldn't be like Jesus until he got rid of what was in his way. His success was killing his opportunity at the race that Jesus was, ask, was, was asking him to join. He didn't just have stuff. Stuff had him. His ambition was for his kingdom, his own personal, as big as it was, little empire. All of his ambition for what he was doing was getting in the way of God's kingdom. See, God wants you to have ambition. He wants you to be on the hunt for kingdom, but not your kingdom, for his kingdom. And so many times, man, we want to build our little empires and, 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 you know, have all this great stuff and have initials beside our name and, and have everybody clap whenever we do these things and everybody celebrate us. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any, any of those things. Those things can all be great, but they can also be terrible. If we value those things above what God values. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 31. We're talking about ambition for the kingdom today. And we're going to talk about what that involves. What does that look like when we have ambition for the kingdom? Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 6 verse 31. So you do not worry about these things. Jesus is talking about need and, and you know, getting by and, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, you, if you will, like the, the other end of the spectrum, you know, people that are in lack. And we're like, oh man, we don't have anything. And Jesus is saying this. He said, don't worry about these things. What we will eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. Don't worry about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Oh, That's a, that's a spirit of unbelief to worry about our needs. It's a spirit of unbelief. Um, you know, when we, we felt like God was calling us to come plant this church, that was the first thing that hit our mind. I'm just being real with you. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we're going to do it. Yes, God, come on. How many know that possessions were just as much an issue for me in that moment as it was this young man? The lack of them. So the plenty or the lack can be an issue. Because I was like, well, we don't have the resources to do this. How am I going to provide for my family? Pretty decent motivation. But God was like, you put my kingdom first. I'll take care of that stuff. And so I told the Lord at that moment in my vulnerability, I said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help the spirit of unbelief that is present in my belief. Right? And so... Jesus is saying this, that, that these are the things that dominate the minds of unbelievers. So if you're continually worried about finances, you're continually worried about bread on your table, you're continually worried about your job, that's a spirit of unbelief. Doesn't mean God's mad at you because you have that, but it means you need to be real with God and say, hey, God, I'm struggling here. I need some help. And by his grace, I believe that God will come and help you. But these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows what you need. And I encourage you to go read Matthew 6, incredible chapter. And this is what Jesus said. You want your needs taken care of? 
How many know that worry doesn't, worry works? Our pastor used to say this, worry works because 99% of the things that we worry about never happen. Right? How many know that worry is pointless? It doesn't do anything for you but cause probably health issues and causes us to overeat and medicate and all those kind of things. That's what worry does. Most of the things that we worry about never happen. Come on. He says, this is, this is what you need to do. Don't worry about it. This is what you do. Seek first the kingdom. Now, it doesn't say seek God first. It doesn't say that. Notice this. You know that Jesus never said seek God first? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, seek first the kingdom. Now, the kingdom involves God. So we can't seek the kingdom first and not be seeking God. Are you with me? Because he's the ruler of this great kingdom. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above anything else in your life. Above providing for your family. Above putting food on the table. Seek first the kingdom. Now, is the kingdom involved in that? Yes. But what is the motivation of your heart? Come on. Because I want to be celebrated as a great dad. So I can get to the end of my life and they can put on his tombstone, Josh was a great father and husband. It better be husband than father because you're not going to be a good father unless you're a good husband first. Oh, just saying, priorities. Those are great things that need to be said. Those are great things that can be said and will be said in the context of kingdom. But it's not just enough to have those things beside my name. Those things are included in the greater scheme of the kingdom. Are y'all with me? Seek first the kingdom above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. I believe Jesus is saying this. You be ambitious about the kingdom, not your need. And I'll take care of you. You take care of my kingdom. I'll take care of you. That's all you need to worry about. All right? Be ambitious about the kingdom. And I'll be ambitious of taking care of you. Don't listen. Don't let the urgency of your need drive your, drive your ambition. Right? We think, well, I need a house. I need a car. I need all these things in my life. I need notoriety. I need to be appreciated. Are these things? These legit needs in your life, they are legit needs in your life, but they're not the greatest need in your life. The greatest need in your life is more the presence of Jesus. Y'all are, y'all are quiet today. Okay? Okay, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That'll work. Listen, be urgent about the kingdom. And be godly. I believe this is what Jesus is saying. Because the word seek there doesn't mean like, Glance. Jesus didn't say glance at the kingdom, right? Jesus didn't say pray a little prayer. Or if it was nothing, he's like seek. The problem is, is we seek enough to come in and bring maybe salvation to us, but then we stop seeking. I've had enough here. Oh God, you love me so good. I'm just good with that. No, no, no. Seek the kingdom. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that actually means. You know, Matthew chapter eleven verse twelve. It says the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. 
The kingdom is something that doesn't set still. There's an advancement to us, to it. So in that advancement, we are advancing. We are chasing. We are seeking the thing that is expanding. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the king's domain. It's all that God rules over. God rules over it through people. Through worship, it's what he established in the garden, and then we abandoned it, and then Jesus came back, got the keys, gave it to the church, and he said, here you go, you got the keys of the kingdom. You have the ones to unlock things on the earth, open up the earth, and release kingdom on the earth. This is what we're after. Seek first the kingdom. What? Releasing God's dominion on the earth. We release it. We got the keys. We don't just sit around and pray, oh God, just bring your kingdom, bring your kingdom, bring your kingdom. He's, he's going, yes, bring my kingdom. I believe if we're praying to God, God, bring your kingdom, which we need to pray, pray, we need to sing. But there's a correspondence that happens. We're like, yes, God, bring your kingdom and we will bring it. Right? So we are the bringers of the kingdom. Jesus will come back and he will have a governmental rule on the earth. This will happen. But until then, it will happen in the hearts and lives of people. It will happen in businesses. It will happen in ministries. It will happen in schools, on campuses. It will happen in homes. The kingdom being released. We have those keys. We have the tools. We have the power to do it. Not in our own might, but because Jesus has given us this ability. So we need to be urgent and forcefully advancing of this kingdom. Seek first. Above all else, seek the kingdom. There's an urgency in this word. It implies urgency. This word, if you study down the Greek, it, it, it means urgency in our de- endeavors. That we're like urgent about it. We're not just like, oh yeah, we're just kind of putting the kingdom first. Meaning I'll put a bumper sticker on my business, right? Or scripture. I was, uh, sometimes I, I get amused and probably more critical than I should be about people that have like businesses and then they want to put, you know, the Christian name on there because they think that somehow that's going to really make a difference. A lot of times it's just a marketing ploy. Um, I was in Burleson one day and I was driving and I saw on a truck anointed, anointed lawn care. (laughs) It's like, it's anointed lawn care. I thought that was interesting. I know I'm being too critical of that. Uh, Maybe your business is called Anointed. Uh, Didn't mean to bust your bubble there. But just because you put it on your name or on the sticker or your slogan doesn't mean anything. We can say encountering the reality of Jesus all day long and printing on everything. But if it's not our drive, if it's not our desire, it doesn't mean anything. It's just words on a sign or on a flyer. So what we're saying is we're, we're saying expanding. I am urgent about releasing God's dominion on the earth through my life, through the choices I make, through worshiping and loving God. I'm releasing God's dominion, releasing his presence, releasing his influence on the earth. This is our agenda. Our agenda is to make our world look like his. Our agenda is the thing that Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Our agenda is to drive out sickness, because in heaven, there's no sickness. Our agenda is to drive out lack, because in heaven, there is no lack. It's our agenda to make our world look like his world. Come on. To make depression be gone, because in heaven, there's no depression. 
He'll wipe every tear from our eye. There's no depression. There's no discouragement in heaven. So our world needs to match his world. Joy, fullness of joy. Okay, let's talk about these three areas. What does it involve? First of all, it involves motivation. Back to the man. Right? Back to this rich, young, ambitious man. He was probably handsome. Right? He would have drove like a Beamer or something today. Right? I mean, he was like that guy. He was super accomplished. There's nothing wrong with all those things. We see God use people in Scripture like Solomon, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who God gave all these things to. We see this in Job, that God gave Job more at the end of his life than he had at the beginning. So God will bring increase. Listen, this man was doing everything right, but totally wrong. How many know you can do the right thing with the wrong heart? What's interesting is you can't... Is if you have the right heart, you always do the right thing. Right? But sometimes people just have the right thing, but they don't have the right heart. It's called motivation. Right? So the kingdom, bringing the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom, is about motivation. This man was moral. He honored Jesus. He got down on his knees. He was doing all kinds of good things. And then Jesus said, let me show you what your motive is. Let's see how good you really are. And so he's like, boom, I've done the law. Jesus is like, yep. Let me show you the the weightier matter of the law. Let's see how generous you are. Because in the kingdom, there's no room for greed. So Jesus says, go sell everything you have and give it to people that need it. And what did he do? He went away sad. This was not something he could accomplish. He treated the commands that Jesus had given him as mere accomplishments. He could prove that he was righteous by the things that he did. Listen, a righteous heart will always cause us to follow regulations. But following the regulations will never give you a right heart. You can do right things all day long. You can dot every I and cross every T. That does not make you right. But if you have the right heart, you're going to dot more I's and you're going to cross more T's. And when you do screw up, you're not going to make excuses for it. You're just going to be like, yeah, I really need more of Jesus. It's all about the motivation. So one of the great questions for us to ask ourselves when we're thinking, what is my motivation? Is to ask ourselves in whatever it is that we're doing, whether we're, we're going into things, I know that today's, we're going to have a lot of practicals, but listen, whether it's going to school, whether it's your business, whether it's your job, whatever it is that you're doing, the debt of the year award, whatever it is that you're going for, you must ask yourself this question to show your motivation. What would it take for you to consider yourself successful? What does it take for you to consider yourself successful? So when I ask you that question, and you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, what would make you successful? The answer should be, until my world looks like his. This is seeking the kingdom. Listen, God wants partnership, but not to do your thing, to do his thing. And when I say that, I'm not saying that you quit doing what you're doing, because I believe that God has you there. But the, the way that you're doing what you're doing, you do it differently. You have a different motivation. You have a different drive. 
Unless, however, what you're doing is the thing that's standing in the way, then you need to quit doing that. In this young man's case, it was the problem. Because he wasn't willing to lay it down. I believe that God wants to bring to us in everything that we're doing, all of us, that God would bring what I'm calling kingdom consciousness. That we would have a kingdom consciousness about everything that we do. I'm, this isn't a bragging statement, but I, am, I think continually, continually, I'm telling you like 90% of the time when I'm going to the grocery store, whether I'm spending time with my family, whether I'm studying for a message, whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it is I'm teaching a class or talking to a client, I'm thinking, God, how can you have your way in what I'm doing? This is kingdom conscious. Not just God, you know, bless what I'm doing. Because many times we, we, we say that. We say we're kingdom driven because we say, God, would you bless what we're doing? Listen, God will bless what you're doing automatically if the motivation's right. You don't have to ask for the blessing. The blessing follows your purpose. Is your purpose right? And we've got all this talk, all this talk about purpose-driven life. And listen, I'm all about it. I love Rick Warren who put that out. I think it's been really good for people. But listen, God, God, God didn't come for you to fulfill your purpose. God came so that you would fulfill his and it's fun, and it's exciting, and it's way better than the plan that you have for your life that you're asking God to bless. He's like, if you will get in on this, you, listen, you will find your purpose by fulfilling his. It's not something you have to spend a bunch of time fasting and praying, what's going to be best for my life, God? What's going to be best for my life? If you will just focus on saying, God, what would be best for your kingdom? What would be best for your kingdom? What would be best for your kingdom? You say, well, I don't work in the church. You've got to stop thinking of kingdom like that. Kingdom and church, church is part of the kingdom. The kingdom isn't part of the church. So what we do, we think kingdom, we think church house, we think community at church. Listen, that is inside of the kingdom. But kingdom is every sphere of your life. Everything you influence, your family, your job, your education, your media, all that. All of that, the kingdom surrounds. If you make his purpose your purpose, he will make sure that you remain in the right place. So again, we don't have to worry. Where am I going to be in five years? What am I going to be doing? We, we preach this all the time in America. We preach this in the church. We're like, hey, you just need to be, and you need to have your five-year goal down. You need to make sure you're reading books on setting goals and da-da-da-da, be driven. Oh, you need to have your purpose statement here and blah da 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 You guys know what I'm talking about? Just talking about all this agenda. You're going to be on a hunt for success. The hunt for success. The hunt for success is being thrown at us. Goals, 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 ambition dreams, vision, all this kind of stuff. People making their, making all their money off selling little cute little slogans with trees on them and all this kind of stuff. So we're making all this stuff about what? About you being more fulfilled. God is saying, if you will be more fulfilled by fulfilling my kingdom, you will be more fulfilled. You just get your priorities straight and everything will be added. Everything will be added. Would you just get your priorities straight? Motivation. We, Leslie and I, we stressed out so much. I was being real with you. We were freaking out. We were like, God, really moved to Dallas, start a church. This is so weird. Like, we don't want to start a church. I'm not, I'm not start a church, God. I mean, I, it wasn't even like, yes. You know, we did this yes here. Yes. It wasn't even like that. It was like, okay. <laughs> right? I mean, I was saying yes and okay. I was like, uh, uh, the spirit is willing. That's about it. Right? I was like, okay, God. Did you know, and I'm not, 
this is no bragging. This, this, Leslie and I, the, the thing that we are so concerned about when we moved out here to plant this church is that somebody else wouldn't be signing our paycheck. We are so worried about how am I going to provide for my kids? How are we going to have a house? And how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to live? How are we going to do, God? How are we going to do it? And just continually, God was just reminding me, have I ever let you down? Just that was just the cry of my heart. And then so later on, I told the Lord, I said, God, I said, I'm so sorry for telling you to help my unbelief. Because we came out here and God just started confirming all these things. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I doubted. I doubted. And he said, Josh, you didn't doubt me. You doubted you. And that's okay because you put your trust in me. Listen, this is where God wants you to where it gets a little risky. So you got to put your trust in him. I, I can tell you, I don't know how, I don't know how it happens. Every month, Leslie and I sit down and we, we figure out how much we've made that month. We're probably terrible managers. Maybe somebody else should teach on finances. I'm just telling you this, this is the way it works. My thing is on finances, seek first the kingdom. God will take care of it. That's what, this, that's what Jesus said. I know there's more things and selling everything in your house than Dave Ramsey. I know, I know, that, I know that, that all that's great. But this is what we decided to do. And so about, I don't know, nine months or ten months ago, I said, okay, we're not going to tithe. I listened to this message by Bill Johnson. He was talking about, he said, we've never given less than 20%. That's what he said. I was like, what? I'm like, for me, 10% percent's a stretch, right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And so I was just like, okay. And I said, um, Dave, I really feel like we need to step it up. So, so we, we committed at this, this was like last fall sometime. We committed. We said, we're going we're gonna to start giving 15 off the top, 15%. I was like, I don't know how we're going to do it. Like, we don't know where our money's coming in, but we just, we started doing it. We have made, listen, and, and it's not about money. It's not about money. It's about trust. We've made more money in the last year than, we, than we've ever made in our life. And really, like, nobody's signing our paycheck. I don't know how it happens. I'll get at the end of the month and we look at it. We're like, whoa, we made that much money this month? And we're freaking out. And it's coming in from all these different sources. We have all these jobs. We have all these things we're doing. We're just releasing the kingdom. We're putting God first. And he's just blessing everything that we do. We're not sitting around stressing out. How are we going to pay the bills? I mean, that, trust me, that unbelieving spirit creeps in every once in a while. You know, summertime gets a little slim. I'm not teaching during the summer. We start freaking out. I'm just being real with you guys. And it's just like, ugh. and then God's just like, hey, just trust me. And everything just, we're just like freaking out. We're like, how is this happening? So you fulfill his purpose. You do what God is calling you to do. And he will make sure that everything else falls in line. It's just crazy. It makes no sense. I can't explain it. I can't write a book on it. I can't do a seminar. I can't tell you how. All I know is you just put God first. You respond to what he's put in your heart. And he will take care of you. Put the kingdom first. Is that all right? I know I'm getting real personal with you guys. These are, the, these are the questions you need to ask, I believe, daily. These will help you check. Keep your motivation in check. Number one, ask God, God, why am I here? What do you have for me today? Every day when I take my kids to school, which is not every day, but most days when I take my kids to school, I always pray over them. I say, Lord, I pray, God, that you, you would help Mariah and Judah be good students. I pray that they do these things. But more importantly, we pray, Lord, that we would advance your kingdom, that, that we would be the salt and light, that, that other students would see Jesus in our lives. This is the prayer of our heart. This is the focus of our life. And God is continually taking care of us. We don't, we don't stress out. We, have, we found out this year 
that that the principal at the school was leaving, and we're like, oh man, you know, I mean, we get, you know, guys, you don't know a public school system, and we're just kind of like, oh man, you know, what are we gonna do with our kids? And just kind of start stressing. We found out this week that the that the the person that's coming in to be the principal is 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 the number one principal in the state. <laughs> so we're like, okay, <laughs> right? Seek the kingdom. It's just like it's the good life. Doesn't mean it's always easy. But God's always got his hand on it. Always got his hand on it. But he can only have his hand on it on what we give to him. So, ask God, what am I here? And this is kind of the prayer that I pray. What do you have for me here today? This, that's the one question. And then the other question is, how can I glorify you today? How can I glorify you in what I'm doing today? How can I bring the kingdom in my job. If your job is building widgets. God how can I bring your kingdom. In building widgets. I don't know the answer to that. But God does. So if you will say God I'm going to build the best widgets in the world. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the widget builder of the century. Not for me. But people will look at it and say man how are you so good. I'll be like I don't know. But God just gave me the wisdom on how to do it this way. And it's working. That's how God gets glory out of building widgets, I guess. But there's probably other ways. You need to ask God for what you're doing, right, when you're building widgets or whatever it is that you're building. Birdhouses. Well, put little crosses on them. Listen, just because you put a cross or a fish or a scripture on it doesn't make it more kingdom-driven. It's the substance. It's the substance. Come on. You know, the, we always talk, you know, I call myself a Christian, but we put a verse on it, but it's kind of the same thing. Don't think it's more Christian, Christianized because you put more Christian ease on it, right? So get over that. All right, we'll move on. I'm all about putting scriptures and fishes and crosses, just not too many because it starts to look ugly and that'll bother me. Okay. At the end of the day, are we building his kingdom or our personal little empires? All right. Number two. So we talked about motivation. Number two. This could have been a series on itself. Some of you are like, yeah, you need to hurry up. All right. Assignment. Number two is assignment. Everybody say assignment. Assignment. This is your assignment. Listen, your assignment. What is your assignment? Listen, I'll tell you right now what your assignment is. Whatever you're doing. That's what you're doing. That's your assignment. That's your current assignment. What are you doing? Uh, nothing. Well, you need to find something to do. Right? What is your current assignment? The assi- your assignment is the season you're currently in. Whatever it is you're doing. Whatever, whatever your daily routine is, that is your assignment. How are you going to bring the kingdom to your routine? How are you going to release the kingdom to your current routine? How is Jesus going to be glorified? How is the kingdom going to be advanced through building widgets? The job you have right now, you might hate it. It might be a grind to you, but God has you there. God has you there for a reason. God has you there to advance his kingdom. That doesn't mean showing up to work preaching the gospel every day. Those opportunities will come. You need to let them come. However, you can always release joy. You can always release godliness. You can always release peace. You can always release those things. 
And those things will open doors for you where sometimes preaching the gospel may be offensive because the gospel is offensive. However, those must be in, in place before the gospel comes forth. All right. In most cases. What you're doing is a big deal because God has you there. What you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm just making Subway sandwiches. It's okay. God has you there. You be the best Subway sandwich maker. You know, you make sure that you put the right amount of spinach on that sandwich and the right amount of meat. And if you're serving Nate Southers, you make sure you put double meat on there because that's how he likes it. Right? All right. So you make sure you're the best Subway sandwich maker. There was a period of time in my life where I worked at Target. And uh, we had lost our job, and I was like, what am I going to do? And it was just a sticky situation. We didn't want to dishonor anyone. So I went, to a, I went and worked night shifts at Target so I didn't have to dishonor anyone by telling the truth about our situation, just to be real honest. And so I went to Target, and I started working at nights, and I got around all these people that work at night. I mean, they call it the kingdom of darkness for a reason. And uh, so here I was working literally in the key. I used to say that I was going to slay dragons because that's what it felt like. It was terrible. It was miserable. I hated it. But what was awesome about it is that I could expand the kingdom by, by unloading trucks at Target. And I could expand the kingdom by having conversations when I'm, when I'm stocking the shelves at Target. I'm figuring it out. God, yes, you have me here. I don't like where you have me, but Jesus, you will be glorified in what I'm doing. It's very, very good for me in my life. Listen, don't get so caught up in your next assignment. I'm going to give you guys a lot of practical stuff today. Don't get so caught up in your next assignment that you miss the kingdom in your current assignment. Right? Because we're thinking, oh, what am I going to be doing in five years? Then the kingdom, then I'm, then I'm really going to start my ministry. No, your ministry started the day that you said, Jesus, come into my life. That's when the kingdom started. That, that's whenever your ministry started. It's not about the kind of work you do. It's funny. I run into people all the time. You know, they're like, I want a job. I want a job where I work with Christians. I want my boss to be a Christian. I want to work for a Christian company. Why? If God puts you there, awesome. But how much better is it for you to be in a dark place? How I many you know if I brought a flashlight in this room, it wouldn't make that big of a difference? But if I turned out the lights... How much of a difference will it make? Right? So if I'm, I'm sitting here in my flashlight, I'm like, hey, 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 the love of Jesus. Right? Can we, can we black those lights out, Albert? Yeah, you can see it. Now it's making some difference. Now I can see some things. Why? Because it's in a darker place. Right? Don't, so don't, 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 ask, don't ask just to be another one of these little lights. In a place that was once dark. No, 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 no. Bring the light. So don't be praying, God, just give me a Christian. Man, God might want you to be the most filthy, you know. I mean, I'm not telling you go work at like, you know, Hooters or something like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Don't go work at Hooters. I'll tell you that. No. There's some things I'll tell you no. Uh, but whether, listen, I could tell you right now that, that there are struggles I have as a pastor Listen, there are struggles that I have as a pastor putting the kingdom first that people that work in a factory won't have. And there's struggles that they'll have that I don't have. Just because you work for a church doesn't make it kingdom driven. I can promise you that. Because there's a whole lot of people that are doing church today that aren't very kingdom driven. They're very empire, very CEO, very, that's all it is. It's a big business. I'm not, 
calling out names. I'm not, but I'm telling you, that is happening. There's nothing kingdom about it. So don't think just because someone has a Christian name that it, that it's going to have all that stuff. So your job in the marketplace is just as much is just as much your ministry as my job at this church. It's just as much ministry for for Jeremy to go install. AV audio equipment and to build home theaters and homes. That's just as much ministry as what I'm doing right now to you. It's just as much ministry. They're both important. They're both vital. It's all ministry when you're focused on the kingdom. All right. So that's your assignment. Number three is strategy. Listen, God is calling you to rule, but to rule with his heart. What is our strategy? Our strategy is this, that we will serve like kings, and that we will rule like servants. This is the heart of the kingdom. That we, just like Jesus, served like a king, we will serve like a king. We will serve like the greatest king that has ever lived. We will serve like he did. We'll look for the, the, the weak. We'll look for the lost. We'll look for the hurting. We'll go in looking for them. Just like it says, Jesus went to seek and to save. That was his hunt. To seek and to save that which was lost. That when we go into these places that need God's influence, we walk in and we look for the hurting. We look for the broken. Why? Because we have life to give them. And it's not because we have it all figured out, but because we were blind and now we see. We serve like kings and we rule like servants. So we bring, number one, we bring heaven's ethic. We bring heaven's ethic. What is heaven's ethic? Godliness, hard work that we show up on time. When you have a job and you're in the kingdom, you show up on time. You're not known for being lazy. You're not known for preaching the gospel. You're known for being the strongest worker there. You're known for being the guy. When I was working at Target, that was, I only worked there for like six weeks. But I was there for like two weeks. And they were like, well, we need to move you to a different area. And I was like, man, I just want to be real honest with you. I'm, this isn't my permanent uh, thing. And I was like an assignment. But I'm trying not to use all this weird language. I'm like, this is what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm good right here. And I'm, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work really good for you guys. But because I had that ethic, it was already they're already trying to try, start promote me. Because other people weren't showing up on time. They were walking in like they just woke up. They weren't ready to go to work. And so here I am showing up on time, working like I'm working for God at packing shelves. This is what uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says. He says, work willingly at whatever you do. Willingly at whatever you do. I hate my job. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. You don't work for that guy. So your day isn't dictated by how he acts to you. You'd be like, I'll just want to run my own business so I can be my own boss. Listen, when you're your own boss, everybody's your boss. If they're on Trust me, I run my own business too. I know. But they're my boss. You know, sometimes I fire my boss. Right? But I'm not working for those people. I'm working for God. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. You must be diligent, hardworking. Diligent, hardworking people. That we're diligent for God. Because that's who we're working for when we work. Come on, are you with me? Number two, heaven's environment. We've hit on this a little bit. That whenever we're working in a place, we bring the environment of heaven. We bring the joy. Come on. We bring the pleasure. We bring the peace. People like being around us. Well, I'm just not that kind of person. We'll, we'll get in with it. Because I wasn't either. 
Until I got Jesus, and he's that kind of person, and I'm called to reflect him, not who I am. I'm called to be like Jesus, not who I am. That's not my personality. It's okay. You don't have to be your personality. You have to be the personality of Jesus. You, you want to reflect what's in heaven, not what your whatever is, excuse. Listen, we're called to release freedom. When people are bound up and broken and hurting, we have the freedom for them. When people are struggling with addictions, we're there to bring, break those addictions in Jesus' name. You have the power to do it because he gave you the keys. Number three, that we bring healing in, in heaven's environment. We bring healing through love and a pure heart. That we're loving on people, that we have a pure heart, that we're well intended, that they know that. And man, God is just doing all this kind of cool stuff. What is this? This is the kingdom. This is what it looks like when we bring the kingdom. It's heaven's environment. Number three, heaven's economy. I mean, heaven's economy has a little bit to do with money, but it's not just about money. It's about blessing. It's about productivity. And when we talk about heaven's economy, we're talking about the tangible and the intangible. Because you work where you do, or because of the business that you're involved in, or because of the school that you go to, it's better because you're there. It's better because you're there. The kingdom is there because you were there. It's a Christian company now because you work there. <laughs> and your boss isn't a Christian yet. What's happening? All right. You want to come up real quick, Albert? I felt like we... Uh, we were on this cruise. I'm closing up with this story, and I have a, just this little quick little word here. Uh, we were on our cruise, uh, and Leslie was, I was so proud of her. You know, every night we get, you get together at these tables. You have these tables. They're not private. They're people you've never met before. And so we go, and we sit down. We're like, cool, opportunity to bring the kingdom, you know? And so Leslie's like, all right. What's everybody's story? I mean, she's like bringing all these people together. Oh, let's talk. Let's hear from you. And she's like, she's like the, the host of the table, you know, like the game show host. All right, let's play. They're your favorite. And it was just awesome. I was just like, yeah, babe, I'm so proud of you. And so like she's going around and she's, she's asking all these people, what do you do? What do you do the first night? We're just getting to know everybody. We had an awesome time every night. And um, I'm just going to share this, but I, I was, I, I was so ecstatic because you know, there was these different couples, and one of the couples there, they were just, you know, they were just a little challenged socially, you could tell. They probably just hang around, hung around their family and this type of thing. And at the end of the cruise, we, we, we do this thing around our dinner table. We say, okay, what's your favorite part of the day? And the kids tell their favorite part of the day. We tell our favorite part of the day. So Leslie's, you know, the, the table host, and she says, okay. Favorite, we, we do this thing at our house called favorite part of the day. We're going to do favorite part of the cruise. And so, man, I was like, I mean, I was like so proud of Leslie, you know, just, just bringing everybody in. So they go around the table and it gets to this couple. They're kind of, you know, they're just kind of a little awkward. And uh, they were the oldest couple at the table. And I mean, I'm, I'm just being, just being honest. They, they didn't really fit in with everybody else, if, if I can just say that. And so, but we didn't treat them any different. And so we get, we get to the end of the cruise, and this, this, the woman says, you know, my favorite part of the cruise was just being here and being with all you guys and just getting to know you. And she was just so blessed. And my heart, I was just getting rocked. I was like, oh, Lord, this is the kingdom. See, that's what the kingdom does. It just releases joy, and it just, it just, makes, it just, and, and it just brings value to the environment that you're in. And so when I got home, 
that Monday and, and uh, I got a notification on Facebook from the church page and it was this woman and she put she put I just, I just want to think, and she, I guess she couldn't find us on Facebook, but she put it on the church page because we told them the name of our church. And she said, I just want you to know that I had such a good time on my cruise with my good friends, Josh and Leslie. And she put that on there. I took a picture of it. I was like, oh. And I sent it to Leslie. I was like, she, we were all like, oh. But this is, that, this is just normal. This is what it looks like when we bring the kingdom. We just bring value to people. We just love on people. We bring vi- we don't we don't when we when we see people that get on our nerves, we don't speak out against them. We speak life. We speak blessing to them. We don't get irritated easy. We're not annoyed by culture. We just speak life to it. We don't get on Facebook and rant about how terrible the world is. We just bring light. Bring the kingdom. We need to bring the kingdom to Facebook. What every area. And so when we were doing this, and I, I went around the story, but the first night we're sitting there and they go, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, it's going to separate the sheep from the goats right here when I tell them I'm a pastor. And so I said, well, we're, I said, I'm a pastor. We planted a church and, and I'm a teacher and I run my own business. And then I said this and I, and, and I felt like kind of a little bit bashful about it because it's kind of arrogant when I said it. I, I didn't mean, intentionally mean it arrogant, but I'm always concerned that people might take it being arrogant. And I said, I'm kind of an entrepreneur. And uh, I said that, and I was like, I asked Leslie later. I was like, that sounds sound so arrogant. She's like, no, no, no. I was like, well, I, was like, I didn't mean it. But when I said that word, like it's something like rock my spirit. And you know what I'm finding? I was having a, another conversation with another man that we met on the cruise. What I'm finding is, is the more I'm tracking, I don't know if it's just this area or the season that we're in, but I'm finding more and more people that are entrepreneurs, and I believe that what's happening is God is calling us to establish things that we're not just one-handed in everything. We don't just have our hand in one sphere, but God is giving us another thing that we that we can entrepreneur, that we can pioneer, that we can be apostles over something. That we can listen. I'm not talking about multi-level marketing. I'm talking about something that you establish. And so God is God is raising us up as people that will also have businesses and and establishing us His rulership through things that we have our hand in outside of our main assignment.